All right, so who needs a Bible this morning? Because we're going to be in Matthew 13. Just raise your hand. They'll have a stack. They'll bring one to you. You can uh, read it. I want you getting to read it yourself. You can uh, keep it if you want to, but uh, we're into God's Word. And in Matthew 13, it's kind of an exciting part of the book of Matthew because Jesus is, d- is done talking with his critics and people coming up and asking questions or trying to trick him or to fool him. Instead, he's just teaching us about God, and he's teaching us God's Word and God's way and God's kingdom. And uh, this is what he came from earth Uh, from heaven to earth to impart and uh, so he's getting to teach it and in Matthew 13 you have what's called the parable of the sower I mean he's been talking if you read chapter 12 Jesus was talking to the religious leaders and the religious people and it really turned more into an argument and uh, Jesus point was time is running out for you to get right with God and the starting point to get right with God is a repentant heart that asks God humbly Please forgive my sin. And you can be so arrogant, so prideful that your heart hardens and becomes unable to soften. Can you hear me now? And so Jesus goes out of the house, presumably leaving the religious people indoors, and he goes out on the beach, and a crowd gathers around to hear him speak. And so he borrows a boat, and he sits down in the boat, which teachers generally would sit down, which would indicate, okay, we're going to have a conversation, a discourse. And he starts an engaging story. Here's how it begins in Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. Well, now a parable... Parables are known in the Bible, but they're other than from Jesus, but uh, there's not very many, and they don't happen very often. And uh, Jesus really took this uh, storytelling to an art form. And a parable is a story with a spiritual point. Just a bam, it kind of like it hits you between the eyes. Except everybody doesn't seem to respond to the story the same way. And that's kind of a surprise, but not really. I mean, you got two people. They could be sitting next to each other. They're both physically alive. They, they're both engaging in conversation, but only one is spiritually alive and the other is spiritually dead. And they can both hear the same message, see the same thing. And the one who's spiritually alive comes away with a word from God. And the one who is, is not spiritually alive doesn't get it. I mean, it's amazing, but then look at this little circle. Anybody see a number in it? That number four, right? No, I'm kidding. It's the number seven. But people, and we had some on staff because we showed this. They go, what are you trying to show us? I said, well, there's a number in this circle. They said, no, they're not. I said, well, then maybe you're colorblind. They said, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with colorblindness. And Jesus' parables are this way that people who are spiritually colorblind were not getting anything. What's the point? And the the other people are learning what God is trying to tell them. And Jesus is telling the story with a God-given point. And right there in his, his crowd are some people who get it and a lot who do not. And some people who can see it and uh, uh, some most who do not. And some people who can hear the truth in the word of God and most do not. Most of them are listening to Jesus and they walk away and go, well, that was kind of interesting. What's for lunch? And they go on to the next thing that's going to interest them. In fact, many people still have that kind of response today. And, you know, one message will produce different results in different listeners and hearers because some are spiritually alive and some are not. Which group do you suppose you're in today? It's worth thinking about. 
Jesus went on to say, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since there was no depth of soil. But when the sun came up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has the ears to hear, let him hear. Now here's the fun little story told by a celebrity sitting in a boat on the side of the lake. Simple enough that anybody could have gone home and retold the story to somebody else. Hi, honey, I'm home. Well, hi, hi. Well, how was your day? Well, it was good. I was walking along the sea today and happened to see a crowd, and I went and looked over the back of them, and that guy, Jesus, remember he was in, in church last week? He was sitting there, and he was starting to tell a story. He said, well, what was the story? Well, it was kind of interesting. This guy went out throwing seeds around in his garden because getting ready to plant something, and some of it landed on the path, he said, and the birds ate it, and, and uh, some landed where there was, it was rocky soil, so they sprang up quickly, but they... They were scorched by the sun and then some came up in the thorns and they were choked out and then some uh, actually landed in the garden and produced a fruit a hundred times or 60 or 30 times. And then he said something kind of funny at the end. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Wonder what he meant by that. Well, basically he's talking about how they listen because you are one of these four types. Which one is it? How did you hear? How's your hearing? I mean, the first guy group is kind of like, I got it, then I lost it. He sowed it and some of the feed seeds fell on the path and the birds came and devoured it. Later in verse 19, Jesus explained, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away from what has been sown in his heart. This was sown along the path. I got it, and then I lost it. It was right here. It seemed so important at the time, and I received it. Where did I put it? Where did I go? Honey, do you know where my is? Anybody, anybody have somebody that helps them find stuff they lost? You're not going to admit it, huh? Anybody here go, I lose stuff regularly, and I need help finding it. And it's always the last place I look. It's amazing. And... Um, So that's what they're saying about this portion of the seed. Jesus explained the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in that person's heart. Then the second group is, I got it, but I wasted it. Seeds fell on the rocky ground. They didn't have a lot of soil. They grew up quickly and they sprang up. But then the sun came out and they were scorched and they had no root, so they withered away. Jesus explained later in verse 20 that as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, so he endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. See, Jesus didn't keep it a secret from his followers that if you were going to follow Christ, if you were going to get in step with God, that meant you were going to be out of step with this world. And when the world noticed that you're out of step with the world, there's going to be a rub. There's going to be friction. There's going to be heat. There's going to be persecution. There might even be tribulation. To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus means that you've counted that cost and you're willing to pay it because Jesus is so worth it. People haven't counted the cost. They're only around God's people or around God for the love and joy and peace and the friends and the food and the fun. Well, they're going to fall away when it costs something to follow Jesus. I got it, then I wasted it. The third one is, I got it, and then I killed it. 
Other seeds fell among thorns, Jesus said. The thorns grew up and choked him. Later on in verse 22, he explained, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Because we can get so busy for Jesus or, we're, or, or, or that we don't have time for Jesus or I'm so, being so successful right now, everything's going my way and we're so busy and we're this and that and we're naturally not wired to think Jesus' thoughts or to follow him. Have you ever noticed that? In other words, that would be a supernatural event and we would actually have to give up control and our way, our comfortable known way of doing things if we were going to say, Jesus, you be in charge and let's do it your way. Recently, we had the cutest little one-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter come and stay. They came down from Oregon and she got to our house and within the first day, she's sitting in the high chair and I am feeding her rice checks. And I take a box of rice checks, I take a handful, I put some on her tray, and she starts to eat them. And I ask her to feed her grandpa one. And she says, no. <laughs> and I said, please, stuck out my tongue. And she goes, mine. <laughs> I thought, what is wrong with this kid? Doesn't she know that I paid for her flight down here from Oregon? <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't she know that I paid for the vehicle to go up to the airport to get her down here to my house? Doesn't she know I bought the car seat that's in the car? Doesn't she know the clothes she's wearing came from me? Doesn't she know that the pack and play that she slept in last night comes from my hand? Doesn't she know that the whole breakfast, the high chair, I paid for that? She's sitting there, here's my box of rice checks. I'm sharing a handful with you. I'm asking for one. And you say, no. <laughs> and you say, mine. She never did share one. <laughs> Gonna have to talk to that kid's mother, I guess. It doesn't come naturally to us, does it? Because it's supernatural. It's the things of Christ. And Christ says, look at all I gave you. Just follow me. And he, he practices generosity. He encourages us to do the same. But we think, oh, it's got to be mine. The, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches that I got to collect more and more and more. And, and if I give any away, it's going backwards. It's wrong thinking. And Jesus explained that it chokes out the word. And the word proves unfruitful. Fourth group then, of course, is the one who got it. I got it, and then I multiplied it. The seed fell on the good soil, and it produced a grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And in verse 23, Jesus explained, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. It's all the same sower, Jesus. It's all the same seed. It's the word of God. And the goal for every seed is to be fruitful, to live and to produce something useful. And at least three-fourths never make it. Why? Well, number one, the first case, the, the evil one snatches it away. I mean, there's evil forces in this world that do not want you to grow in your relationship with God himself. I mean, our, the devil is a persistent enemy. And people hear the word of God, and before they take time to even ponder it or to contemplate, what was God trying to tell me? Whoosh! It's gone. Second group, you kind of look at, you could say it's too tough. They got off to a good start, but didn't really put down any roots, didn't really count the cost, didn't have a support system in place, didn't grow to any depth, and tough times came along. And they always do, or will. If you're not in one now, just wait. They average out at least once every four years in your life, so one's on its way. And so this group didn't count that cost 
and they withered away. And then there were those that, if it was not a, that it was too tough, but it was too terrific. They got off to a great start. They heard the word. They know it needs a response. But, you know, I'm so busy, and there's so much to do, and there's so much money to be made. Opportunity knocks. And then we've got all these family obligations. I mean, just Johnny. I mean, he's got soccer, and he's got football, and he's got drama, and he's got uh, lacrosse, and all their games are on Sunday. He hardly has time to practice, much less play. And, um, you know, and you're saying, how, how do we... I mean, our business is booming and we're making money hand over fist and we don't really have time right now to worship God or to join with God's people in a growth group or to serve the Lord in any significant way. Funny, you should even ask. You can see how busy and how successful we are living the good life. And all three of those received the same seed, the word of God. Billy Graham was talking a couple of years before he died. This actually, if he had lived, you know, he died earlier this year. If he had lived this would, month, he would have turned 100. And instead, he gets to be in heaven with Jesus. But he was talking about how he had, over his career, had preached to literally millions of people. And 3.2 million people, according to their count, came down, just as I am, came down to receive Christ, prayed the prayer to say, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive my sin and let me get right with God. 3.2 million. And toward the end of his ministry, he asked, where are they? Where are the 3.2 million? You would think with that many people, wouldn't they be making some kind of impact in the world? Have I failed? And preachers receive a call, Billy Graham did, I know I did, and some people who receive a call to, to preach run away, like Jonah did, Pastor Micah was talking about last week, and some people preach, but they aren't very good at it. And in this story, the preacher is Jesus himself, he's the sower, and most of the people who heard him preach still walked away from it. I was reading uh, some thoughts on this by John Piper this week, and he talked about how besides the preacher being called to preach, everybody's called to listen and then respond in faith. And in Billy Graham's case, it wasn't his fault. He did a good job preaching, but the listeners, most of them, didn't do a very good job listening. And the old devil's there to snatch it away or to, uh, to attack your new joy uh, with hardships or to distract you with so much stuff and so many things happening that uh, it, it smothers out the word. Your little faith seedlings uh, thing make you think, oh, this world's so good. And you believe his lie that you have to give up too much to live for Jesus. And Jesus concluded, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pretty much everybody has two ears on the sides of their head, and most people's ears work reasonably well. And everybody within the earshot of Jesus' sermon knew that the ears on their body was not the ears Jesus was talking about. He was not talking about their physical ears. He was talking about spiritual ears. Can you hear spiritually? Because God doesn't yell. He just whispers. Are you listening for his still small voice? Because those that are wanting to hear God have to work at it. But he says in his word, if you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Anybody ever had somebody say to them, you're not hearing me? Doesn't mean your ears aren't working. It means you're not factoring in what I'm saying and then responding appropriately. In Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he tells the story of Avianca uh, Flight 52 that you regularly flew from Bogota, Colombia to New York. And um, 
there was a fateful flight January 25, 1990, because there was rough weather and the pilot had circled about three airports on his way on that flight, just thinking he was going to need to land and finally got to New York City and he's nearly out of fuel and he should have been screaming, emergency, emergency, we're out of gas, I have to land. But I mean, kind of sending it like a message like, I've got a chicken bone stuck in my throat, we gotta do something now. He didn't say it like that. He, he, all he said is, we're getting low on fuel. Well, the New York air traffic controllers, you know, New Yorkers, and they didn't hear the right thing. They're very busy. They're very task-oriented. Nobody's ever accused them of being kind. <laughs> but this dire situation was not recognized as an emergency by the controllers because of the failure of the pilots to use the word emergency. They didn't. So they said to him, made his first attempt and when he wasn't able to land because of the bad weather coupled with the poor communication and the difficulty seeing they said well take another lap circle around and so he did and ran out of fuel and crashed about 20 miles from the airport Jesus concluded he who has ears to hear let him hear can you hear me now are you listening to Jesus with your spiritual ears on today I mean Jesus is trying to say something to you today and to me are you listening and Jesus finished his sermon and you know his first critics his first questioners after his memorable message were his closest friends they go why did you preach like that you just told stories. I mean, that's not how experts do it and so forth. I mean, parables had been used before Jesus, but not very much. And Jesus turns it into an art form. But look at verse 10, the disciples. They said, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now Jesus' answer is kind of shocking, or at the very least hard to hear. Jesus says, you are blessed more than you know. God has chosen you. He has shared himself and his secrets with you. They haven't been given to everyone. And he talks about those who have and those who have not. The ones who have, God has blessed you and he's chosen you and you can hear with spiritual ears. So listen up and be fruitful. And 100%, 60%, 30%, do your best for Jesus. He's the top priority for those who hear. And there's more to come. God is blessing your life and has great plans for your future. And the one who has not, I mean, these are people who have been offered God's word, but three times, different ways, they fail to produce a spiritual harvest, and they have heard God's word, but they fail to listen with spiritual ears or to respond appropriately. Now, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, God says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God sends his word out with a specific mission in mind. Now, as I applied this to Jesus' parable, you think, wow, three-fourths of the seed that was scattered was unfruitful. How does that accomplish God's purpose? I mean, God's word will heal those who are listening. God's word will harden those who choose not to listen or to evaluate their life in light of God's word. And in fact, Jesus quoted the same prophet Isaiah, but he chose chapter six, which says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you'll indeed hear, but never understand. 
You'll indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And then I would heal them. Turn is the same uh, concept of repenting. People can hear God's word, and not everybody gets the same number of chances. Not everybody gets to hear it over and over. Maybe you, like me, were blessed to grow up in a home where Christ was at the center and you heard him over and about it over and over and over and over and over. Or maybe you just heard once and you grabbed on and said, I've got to hang on to that. That is the truth. It's not on a fair system. Everybody in the world won't have the same number of chances to hear about Jesus. And we still live in a world that has haves and have-nots. And people hear God's word and they have a choice. Am I going to hear and listen in faith and respond, which won't be natural. It'd be like writing with my left hand or your right hand, of course, if you're left-handed. Or am I going to find a reason to discount it or discredit it or get too busy and get distracted, think it's too tough or not respond in faith? Because when people respond in faith, God adopts them as his children. He gives them what they need. even if they don't say thank you for their rice checks. <laughs> and he heals them when they need it. And people can hear the same sermon and some come out more hardened against God and God's word and God's way. And that's their choice and God lets them choose. But others hear that same sermon and they respond in faith because they clearly heard God's word and they make changes in their life which shows they heard because they follow God in obedience even on a path that may be treacherous or thorny because that is where God is leading. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and didn't see it and to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. And Jesus is saying is people have heard, but they haven't responded. You ever been talking to somebody and you can tell from their listening that they're a million miles away? I mean, they're bodily standing there. They're kind of looking at you, maybe glazing right through you or over your shoulder. That's what Jesus says. People have gotten that way with God. And then Jesus shares the point of the parable, starting verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in him, for he endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields a hundredfold, sixty, and another thirty. Now clearly if you look at this picture, you'd want to be in the part that's good soil that yields a bountiful harvest. And I think that's most of us here today. So let's take a few minutes and talk about this. How do you prepare your heart to be a good soil for the seed of the word of God? Well, first I want to focus your preparation. To focus your preparation. This is a perfect day since you had an extra hour. How many people said since I had an extra hour, I spent it sleeping? <laughs> How many so I spent it praying? Okay, one. Um, all right, so preparation. First, I want to say is pray every day for God to reveal his truth to you. 
If you're going to bed at night and you realize, wow, today I was so busy. I didn't take time to pray. I didn't read God's word. I didn't do any devotions. I didn't even talk to the Lord. Maybe then right there it's time to sit up or get on your knees or spend just a moment just saying, God, I don't want a day to go by without having a connection with you. You know, sometimes in our preparation for worship or for to meet God or to hear his word, we do it not like you get, you're getting ready for school or for work where you know there's a deadline and you have to be there and there's consequences for being late or, or not being mentally prepared. No, many of us do it like we prepare for play. You know that, well, we'll get around to that when I, you know, it'll fit in whenever. And, and we're much too casual. So I'm suggesting that you begin to prepare for Sunday morning like you, if you were going to take the SAT test. You know, to get into college, you have to take the SAT, and to, to get into the right school, you have to score well on that test. And to do that, you begin to study, and you read ahead, and you, you, you prepare, and you work on it, and you get ready. And I'm suggesting you, to, you get ready for worship and to meet God that way. You figure out the details like clothing and transportation and food in advance, and then you get plenty of sleep. Because how you come in, you know, if you tried to f uh, fling with the owls and then to try to fly with the, uh, the eagles doesn't really work. And uh, so you can't really spend the time with the owls and both the eagles. You kind of have to choose. I learned this hard in college because I went one day to the beach. I got turned into a lobster. I got home, stayed up way too late. But I'd made an obligation to the youth pastor to be there early on Sunday morning. So my alarm went off. My feet hit the floor. I went into the shower. Somebody had already been there. I turned what I think is all the way cold because my sunburn is throbbing. And I step into the shower and pull the faucet on to full hot. And then the door jams and I can't get out. And I am, I'm frying in there and it's excruciating and I'm barely awake. But I woke up rather quickly and the thought went through your head. If you had gotten more sleep, if you'd gotten ready for this morning, you might have enjoyed church more and gotten more out of it when you get there to spend time with the Lord. So I haven't forgotten that. And many people find it harder to get to bed on time than to get up in time. But that means you get up tired. So in our preparation to meet God, to arrive on time or even a bit early, I mean, you wouldn't dash into the SAT, would you, in the last nanosecond sliding into your seat looking for the, uh, you know, somebody close to you going, hey, can I borrow a pencil? It's got to be a number two. You know what I'm saying? Is you, would, you would get ready for that moment. So why treat God like that? In the family of origin I grew up in, there were six kids and a mom and a dad and one station wagon that didn't always work. And every Sunday we would go to church, all of us together, and every Sunday it was a stress point because dad was the preacher, mom was the organist, and somebody was always late. Always late. Now I won't point fingers, but she did like to play the piano. And, um, uh, you know, we would sit out in the car and wait, and the stress would go up, especially on the preacher. And, and, and uh, so... I don't know that we ever talked about it during the week to say, how do we avoid that moment? So I guess I'm sharing that with you now. But, uh, you know, Cindy and I have solved this. I just get picked up early in the morning and she gets here uh, on her own schedule and it takes the stress out of it. I'm so suggesting part of your preparation is to start Sunday morning on your knees somewhere in private. Jesus was talking about public prayers, private prayers in Matthew 6. And he said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. To have that little moment somewhere every Sunday morning to say, God, this is a new day. I'm going to be with your people. Touch my heart today. Bring to my mind the things that I need to ask your forgiveness for, 
the things I have forgotten that I need to do on your behalf, make sure my heart is right with God. I try to have a moment like that every Sunday morning. It's none of your business when or where because it's supposed to be private, right? But I'm encouraging you to have the same kind of moment as a discipline. So focus your preparation. Number two, worship with an expectant, joyful heart. To join into the worship activities with enthusiasm. I mean, think about it. We, we pray, we sing, we, uh, we hear preaching, and we give. And, and notice the order we do it in. We do have announcements and greet one another at the beginning if the person doing those arrives on time, you know, and uh, there's kind of have horizontal activities. We do family building things, hear about our missionaries or, or so one of the ministries that's happening like today. We have about 15 of our teenagers up in Los Angeles helping feed people, homeless people early this morning and uh, worshiping in a situation that they're not used to and, and going to come home and, and kind of debrief that. But the main thing we do when we get together is we get in touch with God and His Word. So the music and the scripture readings and the prayers and the preaching, the communion are all vertical activities that are intended to bring us into the presence of God and focus us on what God would want for us. I mean, what do you need to do so that your mind is fully present and fully engaged so that your heart is attentive to God's word and to the voice of God when he wants to whisper guidance in your ear. You know, ask God to meet you here at the foot of the cross. You can always come during the service and stand and pray or come at the foot of the cross even at the end of the service and just kneel and pray there. Somebody will meet you there. I mean, don't you want to hear God's voice once again? that you would receive the word that's been sown into your heart, that your life would be fruitful in a way that pleases God, which is what matters the most. See, to be all in is to be all ears. Fully devoted followers of Christ go all in. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word, for this little story that Jesus told. One kind of seed, four kinds of soil. Help us to prepare our hearts to be fruitful. Amen. Jesus.